We have Bruce live in the locker room in Tallahassee celebrating on the field with the Fleurs. Twenty-seven straight points for for Clemson tonight. Like you said, you can't. You're not going to win games like that. You, it, it can't happen. And, and I don't know why. Like we were able to run the ball so well in the first half, to, especially to the left side, and then all of a sudden we started to abandon it. And like I said, it, there is some inconsistency. How are they going to approach this game? How are they going to beat this Florida State team? Well, we're going to break you guys. Um, and, and okay, I, that's it. The show is over. In, 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 in the story, we're going to break you guys. Look, and, and I, I'm joking. But it's true. Lord! The climb! The climb continues, baby! Oh my okay. god! I am sweating. I am... Look, look at my heart! Look, I, 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 look, 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 look! You know what? Yeah, I, I am sweating. His, his roommate, his roommate, was drafted in the NFL. He's a very famous football player. I'm not going to name him. Oh, I, I remember his name. Jack Lambert. You ever heard of Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay. Okay. Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh. His roommate in college helped negotiate his deal when he was drafted. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Seminole Sideline 365. As always, I am KB, and with me, still in the asylum, is Bruce the Old Man with those white walls surrounded. I'm surprised you're not in the straitjacket at this point. We are, uh, you've been in that room for a while. I'm glad to see that they've been feeding you wherever you are, and that uh, you may be in a black site. I, I actually do not know where you are right now, um, surrounded by those walls. So we're glad that you can call and you have the satellite phone wherever you are. But uh, how are you doing, old man? Yeah, everything's uh, everything's really really good here. You know, every look. Look! Give me out of here! Yeah, give me out of here. <laughs> but how how is it going on your end? How is it going? Everything's good, man. I'm still on the road. You know, the temperatures are where I am for security reasons. I'm not going to announce where I am. My team of security agents, okay, very trained, highly elite force special operators, retired, obviously. But they said, don't say where you are, but it is like 58 degrees, sunny, but it drops down in the 40s at night. I got the flannel on. When I go to cold, I wear the flannel. Yeah, here we go. Look at the old man He's wearing a flannel. I don't care what you think. It's Flannels nice and warm anymore. But I'm not. But I'm not wearing pants. So right. well, thanks. Thanks no. for us <laughs> know that. We have, yeah, as because uh, as Costanza would say, shrinkage. Uh, so let, let's uh, let's let's move forward before we creep anyone else out. Uh, so guys, we have a guys and gals. We have three top. Oh, three main general topics we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, you can follow them along the bottom. We're going to talk about latest news and updates from around the college football world. And then we want to get out there because at this point, you've probably listened to multiple Duke football versus Florida State preview shows. So we'll, we'll dive into that, of course, and give our opinions on what to expect. But we'll get through some general news on what's out there, what we're hearing, what's breaking. Uh, then we'll jump into can Jordan Travis, uh, you know, how will he perform against his top five defense in Duke? Because I think it will be one of his stiffest competitions he'll face all year. Some thought it would be the LSU game. We've learned that they have a dog shit defense. So I think this, this Duke defense will be one of the top uh, teams he faces all year. So we'll dive into that. And then lastly, we'll give our final predictions and and see if we go along with the betting odds uh, for this Saturday night's uh, game in Doak. Uh, so let's, let's go and start off with latest news and updates. So I think the big breaking story on Thursday or, or uh, today or was it yesterday is that Michigan is now being investigated for potentially spying on their opponents. Uh, another version of Spygate, uh, it seems like. Um, you you texted me or, or I think some of my sister texted me about this and I haven't, you know, I just got off work, so I haven't been able to dive into this, but 
Jim Harbaugh and the uh, Michigan Wolverines apparently are being investigated by the NCAA for potentially spying on the sidelines. It looks like stealing signs, essentially. Um, you don't let me know that you may have some details around this. What What is going on there? Uh, yeah, first of all, it is a uh, serious charge because it is being investigated. So there, there were some obvious uh, grounds to the allegations. Now, I don't, I haven't spent all day researching this thing, but I don't even know who brought the allegations. But obviously, somebody leaked it to the NCAA or Michigan brought, you know, it's the university that has a potential issue. Let's say that an allegation or a potential issue. Once a university finds out about that, about a program or players, it is their first obligation to to bring it to the attention of the NCAA, okay? So it's a self-reporting type system. I'm gonna assume they did some self-reporting on this. I don't know that for sure. You know, I, I haven't dived that, uh, done a deep dive into it. However, it's obviously got some beef to it because it's being looked into. Now, here's my understanding that the allegation is they're stealing signs. Now, is this like in baseball during that World Series when the Houston Astros, who won the World Series that year, they were accused and found out during the investigation they were stealing signs and they did win the World Series. The investigation took place afterwards and that whole World Series victory championship has now been tainted by sign stealing players, managers were suspended and blah, blah, blah. Now, there is no rule, KB, about stealing signs in the NCAA rule book. However, there is rules that says you cannot send people yeah. on site to view practice sessions of your opponent and have them there, you know, doing research, stealing signs and or recording them in some way for research or later research on them. So the question is, let's say Michigan did not send anybody to an opponent's site. However, they have an office in their football program and their whole job is to analyze the opponent, including what their signals are on online. Now they have the tapes of their opponents. They, and they, and if they could break down and put together like this code against the uh, Germans of World War II, potentially, or break that algorithm, then more power to them as long as they don't send anybody boots on the ground to the opponent. That's my understanding. Okay. And now I could see, I could see putting someone in your in your um, football operations to do something like that because it gives you a huge leg up as long as you're playing within the rules. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, it's interesting because there is that fine line between, you know, these, these teams get extensive tape on, on the teams. They get a ton of scouting ahead of time via digitally, right? But in terms of, like, that unnamed guy in the trench coat going to games of the opponents and, and – and, kind of trying to sit behind that team's bench and, and trying to figure out what plays are being called based on what signs are coming in. Um, and now you see those big poster boards now everyone uses with a different, it's, it's kind of like in World War II when you were trying to figure out what does this code mean for this play? It, you know, it's kind of, you know, these code breakers essentially trying to figure yeah. out what these plays means. And it's a lot right. less complex than that, um, but it's kind of the connection there. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It's not like Michigan hasn't been in trouble before, right? It's not like, Jim hasn't tried to circumvent the rules. He's already been under investigation for, you know, level two violations during COVID um, and trying to meet with the crews during the COVID dead period, um, having too many coaches in practice and watching player workouts via Zoom. So it's not like, uh, and, and, and he was suspended for the first four games of the season. So it's not like he gets the benefit of the doubt. It's I think it was like three. I think it was three games. Three games. Um, with, regardless, it's not like he's been tr not trying to get the competitive edge on his opponents. Um, so I wouldn't put it past Jim to say, hey, uh, intern, why don't you go over to, uh, you know, uh, you know, a Michigan State's game and see if you can figure out why, what X, Y, and Z play 
it's now wait a minute. You this, said you I said mean. go over. You said go over to their game. Is that different than going to practices? If you go to the game, you could sit there in the stands and try to decode it all. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you know, that's to the extent that we'll find out because I'm thinking that there may have been a team that may have lost them that's saying, I think our signs were stolen. And, and that's, and remember, that's the whole connection where that's why Florida State fans in the national championship game against Auburn, they believe that a coach, a former coach who was at Auburn, you know, at Florida State, who was on the Auburn sideline, knew basically their game plan in the first half and basically had that insider knowledge. And now it's not the same thing, but it's someone who had inside knowledge, who was essentially used to be on the sidelines of Florida State, was now on Auburn staff and basically knew the play call signs. And then the first half, that's why Auburn knew exactly what Florida State was doing. And then once they switched things up, Florida State went on to roll or basically be able to score points on Auburn. So like you said, it does make a difference. And if they did, if they do find out that they are on the side, they somehow snuck in, I think it's a very, it will be a very, very big deal. But like I said, is it just a salty opponent who's kind of trying to throw this flag out there? I don't know. And this will obviously this will come to light in probably six to 12 months. I don't know if this is going to be a quickly resolved, uh, quickly resolved thing, but now this is something, you know, typically they say where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know if the NCAA would have announced it like this, or this would have come out if there wasn't something more substantial there. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think it'll all come out in the wash and, and I think there, there must be something a little bit something to it for yeah. them for the NCAA to launch an investigation because <laughs> when you launch an investigation first of all it puts a stain on a program whether or not it's proven out or not but there must be a little something to this but we do, we don't know beyond what we've discussed and like I said I, I don't think at this point we can give Jim Bar Jim Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt because like I said he's he's racked up some violations none of them super 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 serious but you know he he is trying to get a competitive advantage and this would be in my opinion very serious if he was caught doing this you know this would be potentially you know we and you could debate this this could be contract terminating if he was caught doing this so um but once again these are allegations and you never know uh you know what's let me let me add to this before we move on to the next topic and that is I could I could see football programs that have the money or just have the interest and in having a very small staff of uh, of people that can the, the, the computers we use these days can break stuff down and they're breaking it down in so many ways that they could break down stuff for codes on the sideline and what a play and see if there's any type of of uh, what would be the word consistency between a sign and what the play is. And if they could do that and you can just do it on a few of them, you could have a small competitive edge, which could, could be the difference. And that is not illegal to do something like that. So that's all I have. Let me ask you this question. JMU, James Madison University, and you and I have discussed this offline a little bit. JMU is not eligible for the postseason this year, was not eligible for the postseason last year. And this year, they're undefeated. They're playing tonight. Uh, they're playing tonight, and they're playing Marshall. They could have an undefeated season and not be eligible. Okay, for the most part, they cannot be eligible because of a two-year ban done by the NCAA by law 20.6.2.1.4 that says there's a two-year reclassification period for FBS transitioning teams. They're going from FCS to FBS, but they're being punished basically for two years and they've had solid seasons. I, I don't understand the rationale for that. I don't, I don't get it. It makes no logic to punish a team. The only way they can get in if, if there's another eligible or there are not enough eligible teams to fill the bowls. And that's ridiculous that they even put that in as a clause. It makes it, no it, sense. It, What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. The fact that the only way, the fact that, like you said, there's that backdoor where they could make a game. First of all, they can't even play in their conference. You know, they play in the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt, which, 
for one of the mid-major conferences, they always find the ways to bring it to these power five. You know, they always find to make these close games and app state's been historically the upset team. James Madison's now part of that conference. Coastal Carolina was a great team. Southern uh, Mississippi's in there. Well, they're garbage this year, but they are in there. That's what I mean. We played Uh, one. We we played one. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So they have a a lot of great teams in there. Um, And so the fact that they probably are going to compete for the conference title and likely not be able to play in it is a shame. But they also did sign up, but they knew what the rules were and when they when they were coming up. It is a stupid rule, I agree. I, I don't know why there's this like two year reacclimation period. Yeah, what like, is that? I I I just I don't know what that is. If you're going up, then you'll either get your ass kicked for two years and you won't make a bowl. Yeah. But if somehow you play above your weight for two years, why shouldn't you reap those rewards and start making some of that money that you should get, right? Because I see this as a they're losing out on potential profits for a small school, right? This is a way for these smaller schools that they want to make the jump and they overachieve. Why shouldn't they get this payout? Why shouldn't they earn that bowl revenue? Why shouldn't they earn the conference championship revenue, right? And also for the conferences, what if JMU goes undefeated this year? There, You're not going to see your conference be on one of the, you know, even if JMU goes undefeated, they're not going to be a, a playoff team unless shit goes haywire. But wouldn't you want JMU, if you're the Sunbelt Conference, wouldn't you want them showcased in potentially a, a holiday, like a, a New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve? Well, you know, the, Sunbelt, the Sunbelt's all for them appearing. It's the NCAA rule that says this. The manual outlines a two-year reclassification period uh, that they must go through. And that goes through an orientation session on FBS requirements. How long could that take? A week? You know, yeah, that's ridiculous. Two annual reports, okay, a compliance review session, and more. Listen, don't punish these teams. They're upgrading their programs. If, in fact, they make violations, then not let them go forward to postseason play. But James Madison has done everything right, and they should be allowed. It is another ridiculous decision by the NCAA that there is no rationale to explain. I know we don't want to keep going on. we got other topics. But it's ridiculous. Ellis says they cheated. Doesn't matter. Uh, Ellis, what I don't know. Can you that? clarify what that means? How you they how you, cheated? They doesn't cheated. matter. Because I don't I don't know what you're referring to. So I don't either. You got to come back and clarify that. They you cheated. Know? Uh, let us know. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, if I was what does a, that mean? I don't know. You'll have to clarify that statement because I don't know what that means. Okay. Well. Uh, we're but, not going to spend all night on James but, Madison here, but it's but stupid. I just think that if it's I was like the Daryl Jackson, the decision they made on that is just ridiculous. Well, it's just there's all these bylaws that you can't possibly know all these bylaws, and a lot of them. And don't James make Madison sense. appealed it, and they lost. So. And, and we're still looking for the Daryl Jackson stupid. because Tez Walker's still it's now over. been playing for two weeks, and he's making a huge impact. Yeah. Well, there's no UNC. sense. There's no sense Daryl Jackson blowing a season here. He miles are just wait and make a big impact next year when we're really going to need him. Well, okay. Yeah. So right. moving forward then let's get into, unless there's any other news you want to discuss before we get into Duke preview. No, I got one thing for the end of the show. That's okay. where it's worth. All right, let's jump into it then. So topic at hand is this weekend's a big matchup with Duke, which I, like I said, I think is probably the last for many really Obviously, every game counts, and every game you'll have to be prepared for. But I think this is probably one of your toughest defensive opponents you'll have to go against, and which will really test this offense to see can they put it up against a top five defense? Because that's what Duke is. Duke is not someone we should underestimate. It's not a team that is going to be a pushover in any regard. They may potentially be missing Riley Leonard on the offensive side. You know, the, you know, uh, Mike Elko is is giving the we we think he'll play. We may we may. No. The, from the what he said this week makes me think he probably won't play. I think he's trying to get Florida State to game plan for him. Um, and, but and, I, and and that's a different game plan for him. Well, yeah. One is one is a he's very, a very good quarterback. He's a running quarterback, too. Yeah. And he's um, an experienced quarterback. Experienced quarterback, yeah. Um, but I, as I think Fuller said, Mike Norvell yeah. said, we're gonna game plan for both. And that's that's yeah. the smart way to go that's about huge, it, yeah. right? Um but yeah, so like I said, this is going to be a top five defense. Duke has played, you know, they've played Clemson before. We both played Clemson before. They they shut down Clemson in week one. They played very good against them. Uh, and, and this is a team that is yeah, they won twenty eight to seven, and that they and they've won twenty eight to seven, right? 
Um, last week against NC State, they shut them down as well. You know, that's a four and three NC State team. It's not a, not a great NC State three. team. But the thing is with that is that their offense wasn't able to get going, but their defense was able to win that game for them last week. Look at what NC State, they did against NC State. They do point one for nine on third down and still won the game by 21 points. That's they crazy. They got outgained. They went, you know, they only threw four completions on the night, Duke did, with their backup quarterback. And they still won the game by 21 points. That that just shows you that this defense is able to lock down a, you know, average NC State, NC State team. They were they didn't have the they their time of possession was minus seventeen for them or minus thirteen for them on the night, and they still find a, a way to win this yeah, ball game. It, it, you know what it kind of reminds me of that game we had against NC State that time when they had that backup new quarterback in there. Remember? Yeah. He kept throwing those little passes and he'd make some runs and he beat us that night. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. And we, you know, we thought, oh, they're going to be easy. We're going to roll over. And this guy comes in there and has a uh, career game, right? I don't remember. Well, I wouldn't say now. Well, no, you mean on that game? This yeah. guy Duke, did not have a career game. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about the one, the other time when the yeah. NC State beat us. But I, I think you're right, KB. Clemson. Uh, I mean, Duke. Duke has beaten two ACC their uh, uh, opponents. They're they're two and zero. Oh. They beat Clemson handily 28-7 the first game, which shocked the country, okay, and shocked Clemson, shocked Dabo, which I'm glad to see. Uh, They ran the ball 40 times for 213 yards against Clemson. So that, and then when they played, they played uh, Notre Dame. They lost to Notre Dame by seven points, by seven points, they ran the ball 32 times for 159 yards in that game. And against NC State, they ran the ball another 30 times for 112 yards. So they are a run-centered team, yeah. They're all, especially with a backup quarterback now. If they have the backup quarterback, Henry uh, Belin, in there, they're going to just throw the, 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 uh, the higher – efficiency type passes you know they're not going to try to turn it over in that regard and they're going to try to run the football on florida state so i think florida state's going to have to kind of stack the box a little bit play one-on-one a lot on their outside receivers as much as they can and try to stop the run and force them to pass that would be my strategy against this team they love to run the ball they've been effective running the ball but we have to stop that run. Yeah, I one thing I would correct about you: the Notre Dame, uh, the first game of the season against Clemson, no, uh, Clemson lost that game more than Duke won that. Clemson gave the ball away so many times, and I think I think Clemson had over four hundred yards, four hundred fifty yards of offense in that game. But so, my my point is, Duke still ran the ball forty times. Yeah, no, to your point, Duke, regardless if Riley Leonard is in the game or not, they want to lean on their running game a hundred percent. And, and that's that's because the thing. that because as you know, KB, that also does what from a game plan? It control, shortens control, the yeah. game. Yeah, you control possession, you win time of possession, right? You're the underdog basically in a sold out Dope Campbell Stadium, so you want to control the tempo of the game and you want to hang around, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I think with that type of running game that they have, we got to take them out of that. Absolutely. If they're running that ball efficiently, then it's it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, to that point, I think that you know their last the last great opponent that they played was Notre Dame. We saw what Notre Dame did last last week against USC and just demolished them. And I think that was coming for USC based on them having no virtual defense. Um, Notre Dame beats Duke, but only beats them. You know, that was a close game going in the fourth quarter, right? That that was and that's I think that's the best barometer we have right now of of two good teams going at it of an offense that can do a lot. Notre Dame can put up points with Sam Hartman, and, and I think that's a good barometer of what this game potentially could look like um going in. Because Notre Dame wanted wants to pat they want to balance it out with the run game and the passing game. Um, uh, but Notre Dame was able to put up 159 yards and two touchdowns on on Duke ultimately. Sam Hartman had a you know mediocre game. 
throwing for 200 yards plus on 50 percent um uh, on 50 percent passing um but Duke also on the same frame Notre Dame has a pretty good defense and they were able to you know like you said run it 40 times for almost 200 yards um in a loss so I think to your point both sides of the ball are going to want to establish the run early and with Florida State it's going to be important for them that one Jordan Travis takes care of the ball like he has been. He, he's been very, very good the last couple of weeks on taking care of the ball. Um, he's been hit a couple of times. He, but the thing is, he hasn't fumbled in the way. He hasn't made the bad throw over the middle. He has, he, you know, sometimes you wish he would just throw it out of bounds and, and, and not take the sack. But the thing he hasn't done recently is he hasn't thrown it into the arms of the defender, which is great. He's not giving the ball over. He's allowing, if we need to, giving the punter be able to pin them deep if we need to. He's allowing us a situation to go for it on fourth down because he's not giving up those yards. So I think the really the keys to this game is establishing the run early, taking care of the ball throughout the game, and then allowing the explosive pass game to do what they do. Because I, I, I honestly don't think as well as Duke has played defensively that if you if you take the run game out of it, that as if this if this offense gets on the field three you know seven to ten times in the first half, that Duke's going to be able to keep them out of the end zone. The only way that that happens is that if Duke is able to run it forty times in the game and basically control the time of possession, that's it's like the BC game for instance. If Duke is able to only hold Florida State to three possessions, four possessions in the first half, like BC did, that's the only way they're going to be able to stay in this game into the fourth quarter. That that is going to be they're going to try to I think stay to the game plan that that BC did take away the possessions like you said eat up clocks sustain drives put points on the board keep Jordan Travis Keon Coleman off the field because they know if those guys are on the field there's a high likelihood that they're going to end up in the end zone if you allow them to do it multiple times especially in the first half so yeah I, yeah I, I I agree with a lot of what you said I think that. Uh, and I tweeted about this earlier in the week. I tweeted that uh, this is a team that Florida State cannot overlook. Okay. You cannot overlook this uh, Mike Elko uh, team. He is a good coach in a program that most coaches use as a stepping stone program. Uh, he takes the talent. This team is, Duke, is not loaded. They are not loaded with five stars and four star guys. Okay. Uh, he's taken that talent and he produces with it. Okay. And that is a sign of a really good coach, yeah. you know, and yeah. he coaches the basics hard. They don't turn the ball over a lot. And if their opponent turns it over, if Florida state turns it over, they're going to take advantage of it. And so they're the type of team that will be in a lot of close games and uh, you don't want them hanging around. A few figures that I wrote down, I thought were things that are nice to know. One is they're five and one overall, uh, the loss to Notre Dame. ACC, they're two and oh in play. Now they're averaging, and you tell me if my numbers are wrong. I love your numbers up here on the graph, CFB graphs. It's great. There's a lot of info there. At this point in the season, those numbers start to mean a little something, despite, you know, you always have cream puffs with the uh, uh, the harder dogs in there. Uh, they average 31 points a game, okay? And their opposition is averaging uh, about 10 points a game, okay? That's very interesting. Now, that that's a big difference. They're rushing the ball, averaging 198 yards a game, which tells you, again, what I said before, they are a run-centered team, averaging 5.6 yards per carry. Mm -hmm. 17 touchdowns have come on the rush, okay, on the rush. Passing, they're averaging 190 yards, which is acceptable, but they're, they don't have 16, I mean, six touchdowns through the air. So their whole game plan, that's what Florida State has to hone in on. If you allow them to run the ball, it could be – a long and challenging night. Jordan Waters gets 426 net yards on 65 carries, but they kind of do it by committee. They've got a lot of other guys will handle the ball. Riley Leonard is their second. He's the quarterback we're talking about in question here. He's a good one. He is 
got 326 yards on 47 carries. He's their second leading rusher. So without him in the game, that's a big deal. I don't, I think Riley Lynn could possibly start the game. I don't think he'll finish the first half if he goes in. I don't know. I think it, I tweeted, I think it's kind of a bluff by Elko. I don't think he wants to risk him. And you told me earlier this week, you had a pretty good theory about how Elko may not use him and why, given the ACC uh, schedule ahead, because he's already 2-0 and in the ACC. You know, you, you, you might want to say something about that theory you had. Yeah. So that's kind of my thinking is that, once again, they are 2-0 and in the ACC. You know, do you want to – and once again, it, no more divisions. It's it's the top two in the conference. You have three teams that are, that are undefeated in the conference, North Carolina, Florida State, and Duke. One team's going to leave with a loss this weekend. Do you risk further injuring your star quarterback and Riley Leonard? And he's going to take some pressure this weekend. This mm-hmm. defensive line's going to get to him. You know, because their offensive pressure. line is not that good on Duke. No, and, and you know Fuller's going to bring some pressure. And you saw what Florida State, how they hit, you know, uh, Clemson's quarterback, how they've hit all quarterbacks uh, this year, at least brought pressure on them. And and look at who Duke has to play this year. They they still have to play Louisville. The next week, they have to go to Kentucky and play Louisville. They have to play UNC two weeks later at UNC, at Chapel Hill. Um, so I don't know if it's – do they say put all the chips in and put Riley out there and further and, and say it's make or break, this is the game? Or do they say let's, let's, let's put the back of it, see what they can do, rely on our defense, rely on the run game, and, and try to put our best foot forward? But let's not go for broke. Let's play for the rest of the season, potentially. If we, if we pull the upset, great. But then let's play for Louisville. Let's play for Wake. Let's, and let's just let's hope all the chips align and we're number two when it comes to the rest of the season. That's how I think I would approach. And then, like you said, bluff your way and say, "Yep, uh, we, you know, he he has a good chance of playing this weekend." And, and try to throw off the coach staff, even though you know, hey, we're gonna bench, we're gonna rest this kid unless he is one hundred percent ready to go this weekend. That, that's yeah, co- yeah, college football is not like the NFL, where the NFL has to say who's playing, who's not playing, who's questionable. But he's, but basically Elko's saying he's questionable. Game time decision. And that makes your, makes FSU have to kind of look at him, you know, but, exactly. you know, they may have some other information in that regard. A uh, couple other points on this is a couple of other guys I'm looking at in this game will be a defensive back, Miles Jones. He was the highest graded defensive back in PFF grades, if you believe in that stuff. So he obviously, Miles Jones, is a pretty good defensive back. And then you have a linebacker, Trey Freeman. He was the co-ACC linebacker of the week last week, I believe last week. And so he's a, he's a guy that could make a play as well for them. Now, the other thing, uh, it'd be interesting to see if Florida State's offensive game plan is knowing that uh, Duke knows we want to run the ball too, is potentially start off a little bit pass happy to really target uh, their defensive backs. Their defensive backs, I think, are a little bit weak, and they tend to play them one-on-one on islands out there. So if you get a matchup with a one-on-one on Keon Coleman, a one-on-one, I think Johnny Wilson has been out practicing, should be back for some limited reps, if not, maybe full play, that maybe we're going to challenge them a little bit up front, throw some passes, open up, so those defensive linemen can't tee off on Jordan Travis early on. Be interesting to see if we come out throwing the ball a little bit more to open up the run game. Yeah, exactly. I think the chat mentioned it. Uh, do struggle a little bit with the tight ends uh, in the open field, and this could be a big game for Jaheim Bell or you know or, or uh, Marquise Marquisin or even you know uh, the new, uh, re- uh, newly engaged uh, man himself. So you know maybe you'll see uh, you know those we saw a little bit last week uh, of using the you know, targeting the seams with Jaheim Bell. You know he had 80 yards last week. That was his biggest game of the season, I believe. Um, so maybe you'll see that mixed in. They'll they'll start targeting those guys early open up the line, make linebackers respect it, you know, open up this field a little bit in the middle, and then start running the ball. So you're right. You may see that. But I do believe that they'll – there's going to be too many weapons. If you get Johnny Wilson back this weekend, which I believe the indications are, unless I'm wrong, you're going to have number one and number two back. You know, And then you, if you have the tight ends thrown in the mix, they're going to ha- they won't be able to double-color everybody. So you're going to have the opportunity to 
exploit those one-on-one matchups. And I think that's going to make the, the running game even better this weekend. Um, and it, it has been. The run blocking has been exceptional the last couple of weeks. And once again, is that a product of the competition you've been playing? Or has it just finally clicked for the team? Has the run blocking finally clicked? Or has it been competition? We'll find out this weekend, I believe. Yeah, um, I think I, oh, I, I, that's a good point. That's a so, really good point. That We want to see if this team has now starting to reach its potential you know, because we're starting to run out of football games here, you know, and we want to see if they've reached that potential. Are they being consistent now or is it an inconsistent team? You don't know who's going to show up and we've had those teams. But the other thing I want to talk about the defense, I'm really going to be interested to see if that D de- our defense can get off the field. If we, as you saw, showed in that one stat against NC state, was it that Duke only converted one of 12 one or of something? Nine. I think it was one of nine and third. Oh nine. my God. That shows you know, we should be able to get off the field on this team. And I want to see if our defense really, uh, really uh, turn the corner themselves. You know, Fuller and some of those guys were breaking the stone and they had a great defensive game. Let's see if we figured it out. I saw an article on, uh, uh, I don't know if it was 24-7 or something, talking about Jonathan, Jonathan uh, uh, Joshua Farmer may be our best interior defensive lineman. I put a comment on Twitter and I said, I believe he is. I believe he is definitely uh, 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 above in his playing performance this season over Fabian Lovett, number one, because I know Fabian Lovett has been a fan favorite. So I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but what I'm saying is you mark sports by performance, okay? And Joshua Farmer has come a long way to earn the respect he's now getting. And Braden Fisk has been a monster in there as well. This guy's motor is unbelievable, as we've seen in plays. I believe Ed Fabian Lovett makes his contribution, but he is not the leading interior lineman, uh, defensive lineman on this team at this point. Yeah, talking about the defensive side, I think it's come a long way, and I think the linebackers have come a long way too. And I think to win this game and to win it comfortably, this will be a big game for them because no matter whether it's Henry Beeline, uh, Bellin, or if it's or if it's Riley, it should matter. You're, but yeah. it's going to be up to them to to cont- help contain the running ability of them because uh, yeah. both of them, you know, both of them have the will have the ability to to make big plays with their legs. Um, and, and so just plays like this, just examples against NC state of where, of where he broke out, uh, you'll have, they'll have to be able to respect this is on their goal line, stuff like that. So even though he may not be right. the most athletic guy, they're going to want to run the same types of plays uh, with the quarterbacks. It's kind of those read option plays and it's going to be up, you know, up to the linebacker of Deloach and Lundy. Those guys have been playing out of their minds in the recent weeks. It's going to be up to them yeah. to continue to keep contain stop the big plays and make this Duke offense have to pass the ball. Keep make them yes. have to make them have to pass the ball down the field, contain those big plays. And, and I think you win this game. comfortably. Yeah. I think this, this kid at quarterback, and I think he'll get the majority of snaps, uh, Bellin, I guess it is B E L I N. He's a red shirt freshman. Okay. So he's been in their program a little bit, but he doesn't have the snap experience. No, no. I think you summed it up. We can't let this guy gain any confidence and we must force him into situation where he has to throw the ball because he's going to want to use his legs. You just saw a play there where he can run the ball some and and that's what he's going to try to do. He's going to do the (coughs) excuse me. He's going to do the early what we saw in Jordan Travis when he had inexperience to use his legs to run the football. What I don't want to see from Florida State is the Jordan Travis. We don't know how he is. 100% is he 98%? Is he 90% with that arm thing? Let's not have designed runs for Jordan Travis. We don't need designed runs from Jordan Travis to win this football game. If Jordan Travis sees a opening when he goes back for a pass, take the 5, 10 yards, slide, get out of bounds. But why do we need him to carry the ball and design thing? I, I'm against that. No, I, 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 sort of design right. I think his uh, running ability is what makes his offense different. I, I, I think when he's not. But I say run, it's on more of a broken pass play to run, which there are plenty of opportunities that when somebody's all covered versus, okay, Jordan's carrying the ball on this play. 
Why would I risk my it's quarterback not, on that? But I, it's I also it's not necessarily that. a broken pass play. It should be no. I, said, I don't. Uh, when everybody's covered, when everybody's covered. Okay, but that's the thing. It, it felt like in the beginning of the year that he was just so focused on. I have to stand like look, 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 and then it was either a sack or, or or whatever. It was bad, but I I don't want him hesitant to run if his first or couple first one or two reads aren't open. Then use your legs, like like you said, he's banged up. Whatever, he's just got to protect himself. But he, not having him run, you lose a whole dimension of his offense. Okay, so you're saying there should be dedicated calls. No, for I didn't him say to that. run. I said there what? should be in, in the right scenarios. But I don't think that he should stand in the pocket for more than three to four seconds. I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, no, wait a minute. You're miss. What I'm saying is, when there's a play call, there are plays called for Trey Benson to carry the ball. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you should not be I plays called for Jordan Travis I to run the ball. That's right. No, I, I don't think the read options and should be taken out of the game plan. That that's a whole dimension of this offense. I don't think you can remove them from the game plan. That makes. That changed well, the I would the look. Let, of the I, if I was Jordan Travis, I'd be handing the ball off a little bit more, unless I saw wide open acres there to run to. So, um, but in and to that point, where like you said, it's a young guy that has some athletic ability. You're going to have to cover the edges too. Uh, and this is another play where the guy can throw the ball, but that guy is wide oh, open. That's why it's going to be so big. He's a Division One quarterback. Of course, he can throw the ball. But that's but why he, it's just going to be important that you cover the ball. That you. Guys mark up. They got their man just so that – because you're going to have to chase this guy a little bit. They're going to try to roll us out because that line is going to bring pressure. So right. you're going to see very similar plays that NC State saw last week. And those are safe pass plays. They're high efficiency, 10, 15 yards, guys crossing yeah. over, things like that. We have to disrupt that. Yeah. It's just – yeah, they're going to try to roll this guy out. They're going to try to use his ability. It's just going to be about making – you stay on your man, this- assignment, football – and I, and I think, like you said, it may work the first couple of times, but if you if they make their adjustments, I think Florida State can quickly shut this down. You just can't let it become a habit, and they're getting 5, 10, 15, 25 chunk yard plays. On Everything you see there against NC State, they're going to run against you. They're going to make it comfortable for their redshirt, freshman, inexperienced quarterback. They're going to make it comfortable. They're also going to tell him, if you're not sure – don't throw it into traffic. If you're not sure and there's some acreage to get five, six yards, run the damn ball. I mean, this is what you want to do. Don't put pressure on a kid. Figure out what he does well. Figure out why he's on your team by what he did, what he's comfortable doing. And that's what they're going to do. Because he did throw a pick last week. Um, one of you know, He only had 12, uh, four completions last week. Right. Um, and, and out of his 12 attempts, and he had one interception. So, like you said, if he does in fact start, which I do think believe I do believe there's a high percentage that this kid does start, you know, mm-hmm. if you force him into turnovers early, that's where once again this game could snowball out of control for him. So I do yeah. think Florida State will bring pressure, bring pressure early. You just cannot give up the big play because that that is what's going to raise the chunk plays. Yeah, yeah. just like kind of against BC, you know, you let that kid. You know, he and he that kid's an athlete. That guy can run all over the field. But you you kept them in that game. They controlled the clock. They sustained drives. They, you know, Florida State was only on the field, I think, four times in the first half. You just cannot let those third downs convert over. You cannot let them take up eight, nine minutes on a drive and get points well, out. Well, if it does, if it unfolds that way, then it says our defense just, you know, they got lucky last week. And then this week, there's back to what they did. I mean, this is you're either going to play to dominance or you're not. And then, and then you're just kind of inconsistent. You don't know what's going to show up. So we're going to find out 7.30 p.m. I think 7.30 is the kick, right? You yeah, know, 10:30. on Saturday night at the, uh, probably a sold-out doke. It's going to be a, probably a beautiful day. And uh, it's, going to, it's going to tell us about uh, what we talked about earlier. What does Coach Mike Elko want for the rest of the season? Yeah. Uh, and and, I, and how, he, how he puts his quarterback out there. We'll see. But I do believe that the defense that showed up last week and, and the week before shows up on Saturday night, we should be good. We, we, sh- we should dominate the game. But, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um, 
but then and also Mike Elko could be the future coach of Texas A&M. So we'll we'll see. You know, he could be looking for you know he may be looking for his resume uh, finisher right there. As well, well, it looks like he won't be at Michigan State because Urban Meyer looks like he's flying in there to the that came out on Twitter today. I saw that caught my attention. It's a rumor. There's you know that potentially I, I, he's in there talking numbers, and I think Urban Meyer wants to get off the TV set. But he stepped away because he didn't want to deal with NIL. No, no, no. He, you know what? It's in his blood. It's in his blood to go into a program. I mean, that. I mean, the coaches get excited about that to go into a program and 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 do better. Because remember where Urban Meyer ended? He ended at Jacksonville, okay, Jaguars, and and he got fired there. Correct? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, because he was horrible. Because he was horrible. Do you think his he wants his legacy? He'd rather rebuild a Michigan State team, and guess what he sees. 12 playoff teams, not four, which makes his job even easier because they'll and they got the money and the alumni to bring him in. So I, I wouldn't doubt to well, see a deal there and he starts the recruitment. He better talk to Magic Johnson before. He may have better make sure Magic Johnson's on board and start up an NIL kind of booster club. And you know what? Magic Johnson's got a lot of damn money to help him. And maybe Magic Johnson called in there and said, you got to bring this guy in. Yeah, I, I don't know what their NIL situation is. I, Urban I mean, they got Keon Coleman a, a couple years hire. ago. Urban but, Meyer's uh, a gun for hire, right? But, uh, but like I said, if I was Urban Meyer and I was thinking about taking that job, I would admit, I would well, reach out to Magic Johnson. I would reach out to the top alumni can, there. That's the only one I can think of right now. I would say, Magic, if I come, are you willing to invest in building out the best on NIL in the Big Ten? Uh, because it's it, once again, these conferences with realignment are even more competitive. So, and this, yeah, is, right. this will be a new landscape for Urban Meyer. But this is this is a but for it's a football coach. It's a football job. It's a you know and so on. Some even in business, KB, you're in the business world. It it's some guys like to go into a place that is a dumpster fire, which Michigan State oh. is clearly that yeah. at this point. But they got some quality athletes there. So he's looking – it's not like a Colorado, okay? He's got a chance to quickly probably turn this around, well, you know, in I, a way. And 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 guess what? He's the guy – he's really got – He's he has the insights to do it. Some guys thrive on that. They want that, hey, look what I did. And, and I think it could be a good fit. Yeah, I could see him, yeah, maybe doing the same thing Prime did at Colorado and just turning the roster, but you never know. Um, okay. All right, let's go to the final predictions, betting odds. Well, what is the line for this game? I don't even know. Oh, hell, I thought yeah. – uh, I don't know. I can look it up real quick. I, uh, well, you're I supposed to be the, the betting guru on this. Yeah, I oh, here I it is. Written. I think I have yeah. it right here. Um, I, I don't is even it 10? What is it, 10? I got it right here. Let's so, see what uh, it is today. I mean, it changes, so we're, we're looking it up right so now. So public bets, college football week seven, 80% on – it's Duke minus three. Wait, no, wait. I guess there – I don't know why there's there's different right, Now that's not or, the bet. No, minus, uh, plus, I'm going to see. Minus 17 and a half. Minus 17 and a half. I guess. Oh, 17 and a half? Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Let me see. That's interesting. Oh, that's uh, interesting. 17 and a half. Wow. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, what? is this a really old one? No, 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 no. Is that Duke this is for October 21st. What you, are you looking at? Like a newspaper? What are you looking at? Oh, no, I'm looking at an app. Caesar's app. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. Well, if anyone knows the spread, does anyone know the spread? Oh, here it is. When I looked at it yesterday, it was 14 and a half. Florida State by 14 and a half. Okay. 14 and a half. He's got 13 and a half. I had 14 yesterday. Okay. okay. So uh, yeah. I'll I, I would take that. I, I think it's gonna be like final score would be like 35 to 21. So That's I'll take I'll take 14 reasonable. points. I'll take third. Well, it depends. Like, no, if wait, Riley you're Leonard starts, Duke, you're going to take Duke in 14. That's what you're saying. No, 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 no. I'll take no, I'll take, You'll take Florida 20, State. 35 20. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um. It and it really depends. If Riley Leonard starts, I think that that spread. I I I think it changes a little bit, but I will take I'll take Florida State by fourteen. I think this spread indicates he's not going to play. Yeah. That Riley Leonard is probably not going to play, but that spread could be there as well, even if Riley Leonard played and was healthy. Okay. This is this is the time Florida State, number four in the country, must step up. 
must play dominating football because we're real close to the committee getting together in a little conference room and coming up with with their selections. Oh yeah, I had the wrong odds up. Good call, Brad. I had the wow. I, yeah, no, I had it here. I just didn't see it in my notes. Yeah. Okay. See, I actually yeah. do some. So he was reading from a piece here. of paper. He was reading from a piece of paper. No, I was. I have it right here. I'm not making this up. I'm not here to make crap up. Okay. Other games that I'm going to be watching: Miami and Clemson. They've got uh, uh, Miami plus three. Okay, so they're the underdog. Miami. What do you think? Uh, and it's on the road, I think, at Clemson, I think. Uh, let me think about that. So Miami, you're, Miami uh, no, I'm not taking Miami. You know, that's going to be an interesting game, both for uh, Mario and both for Dabo. I mean, it looks no. like almost a coin toss there. Hey, tickets as low as fourteen dollars, though, so anybody can go. That um, is, that's a that's a good fourteen dollar ticket, and that's a low line minus three minus three yeah. for Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, w- I would probably take minus three. I mean, if Clemson loses that game, the Clemson oh. if the Clemson fan base is going to go crazy. not good, not good. They and that, go oh, I'm sorry, it's in Miami. Yeah, so but, that's which means good. nothing. Which means that's nothing. a cheap ticket down there. Yeah, that's four. No, that's an expensive bucks. ticket down there. That's no. an expensive ticket Christ in Miami. Top. That is. Yeah, $72. yeah. Your, your hot dog and your beer in the parking will cost you more than that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll take Clemson minus three. Okay. You got Penn State versus Ohio State. When I saw it, it was Penn State uh, uh, plus uh, four and a half. So they yeah. got they got Ohio State winning by more than four and a half. What do you think? Uh this is a tough. It's a two tough undefeated teams, both yeah. three and zero in the Big but Pens. This is a huge know. game. Who has this Penn State played though? Have they played? Eh, not much. I'm not sure. Penn State has played. They play their best opponent so far this season. Is let me pull this up. They've got this. They've they they played. Iowa is their best win this year, and Iowa like scores uh, seven points a game. So I'm gonna. I'm just. In, I'm gonna pick Ohio State, but I I don't think Ohio State's an elite team. I don't think either of these teams are proving yet. But I'll take Ohio State. I'll take Ohio State, especially yeah, at home. At I home. think Ohio State at home will probably do better than the four and a half, to be honest. But once again, it, Penn State could surprise, and and you know they are for real. So it's hard because I just don't haven't seen Penn State really play anyone great yet. So uh, right. it can be. But it, yeah, it'll, so it'll be a be good game to watch. What time yeah. is that game? Twelve what time? noon. Oh, 12 noon. Yeah. Uh, you remember when in the old days the twelve noon games were the crap teams? Yeah. Now they actually put a lot of the better teams up front. But fans yeah. hate noon games. Yeah, that's that's a tough slot. No, I'm talking about fans that go to the stadium. You know, oh, it yeah. sucks. Yeah. Okay, you got here's an interesting game of two upcoming opponents. Two upcoming opponents for Florida State in the next the next two Pittsburgh versus Wake. Pittsburgh versus why, Wake. why is that on your radar? Who gives a shit? Well, you know why? Pittsburgh versus no, Wake. Because you and I have talked about that up in Pittsburgh, they just beat up Louisville, who Louisville had beaten up Notre Dame. So it'll be interesting to see how Pittsburgh plays at home. Oh, no, this is in Winston Salem. Yeah, to see how they play. But you're you got two teams here. You can get scouted all at once. You know, another yeah. another fourteen dollar game for anybody in that area. That's a and, good price for a ticket. Take it. Is it supposed to rain? Yeah. Where to say? Oh, that's not good. I, I once again, I don't know. You know, Pittsburgh's playing with a new quarterback. It's one point, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, if Pittsburgh wins this game. And they and they blow out Wake Forest or win by a couple scores. It'll be interesting because I I you know seeing if this new quarterback is is making a difference for them. It'll be interesting. Well, I ran into a a a fan from from the Pittsburgh area uh, just a couple of days ago, and she told me that they have now transitioned from who was it Jerkovich. He's he, yeah. He's, he's out. He's out. Good. Yeah. You know they took him out. And they put in this new guy, and they kind of like the new guy. Christian, this Christian they kid. They kind of like that guy. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he takes over the job now full time. Yeah. A couple of games we won't see. The Florida Gators are on bye week. They're getting ready for their big, uh, uh, big uh, game against Georgia a week from Saturday. 
in the biggest cocktail party in Jacksonville. And Coach Prime's Colorado Buffalo still nursing their wounds from getting beat after being up 29-0. They're on by this week. You got any other big games you want to focus on? Uh, I would say Tennessee-Alabama is a good game. But, yeah. I mean, you want to focus on Wake Forest and uh, Pittsburgh. So, I, I mean. Well, I'll just say that's that. because it's Florida State opponents. I'm, that's all I'm focused on that one. But I, I think Tennessee-Alabama, I mean, neither of these teams can afford another loss. I, I think another loss knocks either of them out of potential playoff picture. Uh, so, this will be – this is a liminary game. If you want to watch an liminary game at 3.30, watch this game because either one of these teams loses, they're out. Okay. They're so the last thing, and you said we couldn't air it because we'd get thrown off the uh, YouTube or some crap like that, was that fight be- at the Dallas – who the hell was that? Dallas Chargers there's, game? There's fights at every NFL no, game. No, this, you was, to show that this was like a massive riot. I mean, I'm, people are slipping in beer. They're grabbing each other. It was better than the damn game. It was unbelievable. You can show it. It's been everywhere. Just – Push it up there. Why do you? I don't know. <laughs> it was if you if fans haven't seen this, it's wonderful. It's great. not wonderful. I put on. I put it. Hey, if you see it, go to our Twitter account. I put it up on Twitter. You can see it there. If if KB thinks we're gonna get in trouble here, whatever that means, you know. But we're not afraid, KB. Uh, this, it, this is what you it, want. To it, I've never. Seen, this is a riot. Usually you see one or two guys. Look at this. Watch this. People are slipping in beer. There's women in there. This is what happens when you run out of hot dogs. Okay. And the only thing left, the only, look at this guy. The only thing left is caramel corn and peanuts. Now watch this. Another guy comes flying in. Look at, watch this guy. Whoa. Look at, we might sign some of these guys up. Colorado could be in there, uh, you know, recruiting some of these guys. Watch this. Unbelievable. What? What? <laughs> Watch these two. Watch this guy. Watch this guy. Down he goes. Look at this guy. The water's taking out more people no, than it's the beer. Men it's are. not water. Shit. That's why okay, they're okay, fighting. The beer's taking out look, more, look more than this. the men look are. Look at this. Oh, 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 a takedown. You know, you know takedown. Unbelievable. So Un- dumb. Unbelievable. You couldn't pay me to go to one that of those games. That is one of the best fight videos ever and these guys are paying what 200 200 and a quarter to get into these games you couldn't catch me at one of those games you <laughs> the best action me. the best actions at the concession stand not on the field all you right i got one me. other thing i got right. one other thing in my notes okay i'm going to air this out a little bit this is me this is not kb this is my editorial okay now listen i'm going to call out I was listening. I was listening across the channels, which I always do. War chant, Jeff Cameron show. Jeff Cameron was calling out older folks that go to the Florida State games and that are at Doak Campbell Stadium. Okay, you can go back and look at his show this week, and he he was saying that he is tired of seeing older folks. Okay, not not standing up on every play, okay, or saying, hey, could you guys sit down? Listen. And just, <laughs> he did, no, and, and just being He was calling you out for your government. In, in the best seats, you know, in the center section. Now, he said he was there with his family, maybe his dad. And he says, well, my dad even says, tell people to sit down. You know what I mean? Listen, there are people there, these older folks, okay, these older folks are paying the biggest bills for this Florida State football team. It's not the guys down in the front front guzzling beer and throwing it up on their buddies two sections down, okay? And I take exception to those comments that the elderly also have a right to be in the stadium and that, you know what, they're put there. Who do you think paying for the big seats up there in the champions club? Who do you think is putting the biggest money in the NIL funds? It's not the college students or the middle-aged people that are trying to meet their bills, much less give money away. So that is my editorial that right. lay off the old folks. All right. Well, maybe they should have a special section for you guys. 
Well, maybe they should. Sitting only section. Well, that you know what? It is a struggle to go from your seat all the way down to the concession stand to get down there and say, I'd like a hot dog. And they go, well, I'm sorry, we're out of bucks. Maybe they should have a section where they have like built in toilets into your seats and then they have bring people that bring up food to you too. Or like you, you can just, you can or just, you could rent a catheter. Well, okay. I don't know if we need to go that far, but uh, that could be a specialty service. But I am like. saying that. Shout out. I can start doing editorials. D. Riley says a real FSU fan sits when they're dead. <laughs> yeah, we could just prop us up there. You know, keep taking money out of our wallet, right, B. Riley? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and this is what uh, Jeff Cameron also said. He goes, for sure, for sure, on third downs, you must get up. That's you, you should. Or well, they should throw I, you out of the stadium. Or they I should told you, you that stadium. story of people around me at uh, what was that, Parents Weekend? The people around me said they weren't coming back. <laughs> as long as they write the check, they don't care. They, write that uh, tuition check. Right and that is the old man's editorial. All right. All right. Well, we expect uh, FSU to come to spread this weekend. Let us know your thoughts in the comments, whether you're watching this live or afterwards. We'll see you guys on Saturday. Well, we may not see you guys on Saturday post game, yeah. but uh, we'll do our post game show on Sunday or Monday. So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your Saturday. We'll see you in prime time on 730. Watch it as a team um, or watch it wherever you are. We'll be watching it together. So uh, enjoy, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe out there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon for the post game. Have a great Bring one, Bring your guys. own hot dog buns to the stadium. <laughs> yeah, Have a good one, guys. Go Knowles. All right, man. All right. Oh, sorry. It's still on. <laughs>